Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I hope and trust that you are all well. This will be the last video that I make this announcement. I'd like to give a heartfelt thank you to everyone that joined me over on the short-lived Patreon trip. Samantha, Victoria Dyer, Tina Mead, Nancy Wallace, Mana Ash, Cindy Cleveland, House of Jen, Mama Phoenix, Paul Reese, Harper Patterson, Tavia S, Interscare Wifey, OKV, and Felicia Scott. Thank you all so much for taking that journey with me. Now I'd like to give a very special shout out to the Reform members of Back to Ashes, Tavia S, Tina Mead, Cindy Cleveland, Patty's niece, and Samantha Place. Thank you all so much, and the rest of the members will be listed right here on the screen. If you would like to become a member of Back to Ashes, or you would like to support a content creator such as myself, you can buy me a coffee. All of that information can be found in the description below. With all of that being said, it is time to go back to ashes. For when we arise from the ashes, we are a bigger, brighter, stronger, and happier person in the morning. Sit back, relax, kick back, grab a snack, or tuck in and get warm, and prepare for this dose of vocal melatonin entitled True Creepy Encounters. Right after this intro and ad will play, I'll read the first story and ad will play. After that, there will be no more ads within this video. This happened about a year ago, and I still have yet to return to the store without my husband. So, last July, I took my then four and six-year-old sons to Target to back-to-school shopping. Since having kids and hearing all these horror stories, I am very observant of my surroundings when out. Anyway, while at Target, like most women, I look through all the sections. While in the women's clothing, I noticed two older men close by that kept looking over our way. I thought maybe I'm just being paranoid, so I kept going about my business, but keeping my boys super close. We go to the baby section, they pop up, toys, makeup, and same thing. I was really feeling uneasy because they seemed to be everywhere we went and they never had a cart one guy was holding one little thing I go to checkout and wait for a big group of nurses leaving Starbucks to walk out with I threw the boys in the car without buckling them and closed and locked the doors as soon as I look up the two guys walk out empty handed looking around I didn't think they saw me, so I started to leave when I looked in my rearview mirror and saw them behind me in a truck. I stopped right there and turned and took a photo so they could see me. They turn like they are going back to the store, and I park over a couple of stores down, where they can't see me, and call the cops. 
While I'm on the phone with them in a full-blown panic attack, I watch one of the guys change his shirt and go back inside. I waited until the police got there so I could make sure they got and had the right guys. I don't know what their plan was that day, but my mama gut told me it wasn't anything good. I am so thankful my babies and I are okay. I was just at Mod Pizza with my kiddo and one of their buddies, and this customer gave me the most unsettling, creeped-out feeling. Enough for me to share. I noticed he was watching us very intently. We even subtly got up and moved tables, as I felt incredibly uncomfortable. He ordered his food to go, but ended up sitting at a table that almost perfectly blocked him from my view and he continued to watch us as we ate and could see him staring from my peripheral. So, the police were also there handling a situation outside, but arrived after we were already in the establishment. So I had no idea what the issue was in regards to. I got up to put my dish in the pit, and as I walked past this guy, he stopped me and asked if I knew why the police were there. He then proceeded to tell me that he felt like the cops were there to catch him, and when I nervously laughed, he said that he didn't have a record or anything. He then smiled in the most gut-wrenching way. It was the most unsettling interaction I've ever experienced. After we left, walked out with an officer that came in to talk to one of the managers, I spoke with some friends about my experience. One friend suggested that he could have moved tables in addition to deciding to dine in, potentially to avoid the officers recognizing him, and that he might indeed have a warrant. Regardless, if he does or not, he gave me the most chilling, unsettling, uncomfortable feeling and vibe of anyone I've ever interacted with. And I've worked in the service industry for eight years. I've had conversations with hundreds of people, and no one even comes close to the heebie-jeebies I got from that guy. It was like 9 p.m., and my ex-girlfriend was waiting for a bus to go home after her friend trip. The only bus she was waiting for was not there, and people around her were all on their bus to go home, and she was alone and tired because of the trip. I texted her just to be sure she's okay, and told her to wait for the bus and stay in a safe place with the lights or more people, and after that, I went to sleep. An hour passed and the driver came. He looked like he was 40 years old and he stopped just in front of her. He opened the car door and said something like, Hey, sweetie, come in. I'll get you back home. It's okay. No need to worry. And it's very late, so you should come in. She felt very uncomfortable and a bit scared 
because his car just came from the dark. There were no lights on, but yeah, it was just very late. She was tired, so she got in thinking that it's going to be okay and she's going to get back home safely. After a few minutes, my ex got very, very uncomfortable because he didn't start the car and the situation was very awkward. He turned to face her and he did something that scared her so much that she couldn't speak. You know the sound when you lock the door? The little click? Yeah, he locked the door. And then he said, Let's go somewhere. We can eat together. You seem to be hungry, no? She said she had already eaten. She then picked up her phone to dial a fake call and said with a higher voice, Oh, really? You're nearby the bus stop? Uh, Okay, I'll come with you right now and then told the man that her friends were coming to pick her up. He unlocked the door and let her out, but before he did, he asked for her number, and she gave my number because she was too scared. Two days after that, the weird guy called me. I didn't respond, but he left a message, a very creepy one. Do you remember me? If you want, I can take you to go eat somewhere, but this time... Please don't try some escaping stuff, okay? After that, I blocked him and hugged my ex. This encounter began two months ago. My boyfriend was driving me home last night, around midnight. I was on my phone pulling up something to show him when we part. When he whipped around and asked me if I saw that out of his window, I said no and asked, what do you mean? I live in a quiet suburban neighborhood. We have some deer and other small wildlife. The most dramatic human activity was several years back when a car was speeding and crashed through the living room of the house at the bottom of the hill. He said there was a girl on all fours in a driveway, waving her hand with her phone in it and the light was also flashing at us. We slowed down to discuss if we should go back. Is she hurt or in trouble, trying to flag help for someone inside or filming a TikTok? I was worried this was some ploy to make a stop so someone else could jump out. We both thought it was weird and decided to go back in case she actually did need help. Our windows had been down to get some fresh air, so we rolled them up when we went back. When we went back, she was no longer on the ground, and ran up to my window very quickly. She looked like she was in PJs and was in her teens. My boyfriend said, nope, swerved around her, and drove out of the neighborhood as another car was driving in and passed by her. We were both pretty rattled at this point because it was so unusual and decided that we'd do another loop back around. This was the only way into the neighborhood, so we didn't really have a choice. If she was still there after that other car had driven by, he would talk to her since she'd been on the side of his road. We drove back and she was just standing in the middle of her driveway, waving her arms with her phone light again. 
He slowed down with his window down and asked if everything was all right. She said yes and started running at the car again, almost in front of another vehicle driving by. We were a bit at a loss and very uneasy about the whole thing, but figured there was nothing else we should do at that point. She said she was fine and had a phone to call 911 if something was going on. My boyfriend dropped me off and said she wasn't there when he drove back out, so I have no idea what that was all about, but I found it very unnerving. My partner, some of his hometown buddies, and I, I was 22 at the time, had a short trip to the Tenderloin area of San Francisco for a concert. At the time, none of the boys had girlfriends, and I didn't have the same history as them, so I ended up walking just behind them, just happily observing this new city we found ourselves in and thinking about the concert from the night before. I am from the desert, so all this greenery had me extra content. When I found a leaf on the sidewalk that was massive and bigger than anything I had observed before, I stopped to pick it and gazed at the leaf in amazement. I took in the leaf and then looked up to see my party was continuing ahead on their walk without me. Just then, a middle-aged man standing in front of a black, very tinted SUV was waving gesturing and saying for me to come over. He wore a big smile on his face the entire time. What was odd, too, was that this was in an alley, just off the road, yet still tucked away and the SUV barely fit. The randomness caught me off guard, and while I processed, he continued to say, Come here. Come on, come here over and over with a huge smile and doing the hand motion to come over. He started to take a step closer to me and I smiled back and shook my head no politely. Just as I broke eye contact with him, I noticed at least two other middle-aged men sitting in the vehicle looking right at me with what I perceived as angry-looking facial expressions. I dropped the leaf, ran and caught up with my party very quickly who hadn't noticed I fell behind. Moments later, the SUV turned on the street and sped away. Now that I am much older and have reflected, I get very creepy feelings from that entire encounter. I can't help but to feel if I had gone closer, I would have been grabbed and thrown in the SUV, and then who knows what would have happened. I'm grateful to not know... I wish more alarm bells went off in my head and I could have taken in details like the license plate number to potentially prevent this from happening to anyone else. Hey y'all, this happened two days ago. I, a 22-year-old female live in an apartment in a large downtown area right next to my university. So, I was pulling into the parking lot of a CVS near my apartment, and I noticed a woman standing at one of the other cars near mine, 
talking to a man inside the car. When I got out and started walking in, the woman tried to flag me down and talk to me. I just ignored her and walked into the store. The man who was in the car got out and followed me in. He followed me through several aisles before stopping me to ask if I wanted to be on his OnlyFans to make porn for him. I told him I wasn't interested multiple times, but he continued to ask me questions about myself, my name, where I live and work, if I have an OnlyFans, etc. And he started to describe sexual acts he wanted to do with me for his OnlyFans. I was so scared in the moment and wasn't sure what else to do. But eventually, after I turned down his offer enough times, he walked away and left the store without buying anything. What's really weird is that he was wearing an obviously fake lab coat and said he was in town for a pharmacist convention. I don't know. When I got to the register to check out, I noticed the employees looking out the window, and one of them told the other to call the police if they saw that woman again. When I got to my car, the man was still sitting in his car right next to mine. Luckily, I don't think he was able to follow me out due to the busy area I was in. In retrospect, I think this guy may have been a human trafficker looking for easy targets. I just hope no one else was bothered by him or decided to go anywhere with him. Stay vigilant, ladies. Oh, and one more thing. I did make a report to my local police in case anyone else had an encounter with this guy. I also do carry mace. This happened many years ago in 2012 or 2013. I was 17 years old and living in the UK, in a council housing area populated by mostly ethnic minorities, immigrants and students. It was a pretty ordinary summer afternoon when there was a knock on the door. My sister went to open it. We weren't expecting anyone and we're a pretty private family so I stood watch behind my sister. It was an old white man. He was short, with white hair covered with a baseball hat, clean-shaven, wearing a t-shirt and jeans. In his hand was a toolbox, like one of those old-school retro toolboxes. I remember paying attention to that for some reason. He smiled after my sister greeted him and asked us, Do any Asian girls live here? Obviously, alarm bells go off in our heads because what kind of a question is that? He wasn't looking for a specific house or person, and he did not indicate that he was lost. He just asked us that one question. We said no when he went on his way. My sister closed the door and turned to me with a perplexed look on her face. We were both thinking how weird that was. Just as we head back into the living room, there is another knock at the door, and it's our next-door neighbor. The two girls at our door are both East Asian University students. Girl 1 asks us about the guy and if he asks about Asian girls living here. We told her everything that happened during the interaction with him, 
and laughed uncomfortably. We were all so creeped out, and although no one said it, we all felt like we had met someone very, very strange and possibly dangerous. Who was he? What the hell did he want with Asian girls? And what was in that toolbox? I ran upstairs and watched him walk to the next houses across the street from my bedroom window and eventually leave our street, disappearing around the corner. What do you think he was up to? When I was a kid, probably no older than 10, I was walking to the mailbox to get the mail for my parents. I was fully clad in my baseball uniform, ready to go. A car pulled over and an elderly woman urged me to get into the car. Immediately, I knew something was off. Come on, we're going to be late, she insisted. She went on saying things like my bat and glove were in the trunk, telling me that my dad had given it to them. She said my dad couldn't take me anymore, so he asked them to take me and that they live nearby. I honestly don't remember what I did. I just remember the anxiety of piecing together what was happening. I want to say I booked it and ran for the house, but as I've gotten older, I don't even remember anymore. All I remember is being back at the house, and the creepy old lady ended up ringing the doorbell. When my dad answered, he was obviously confused, and she told him that they were testing me to see if I'd jump in the car. The most unsettling thing to me is, I don't remember if I actually got in their car. I'm not particularly old, but the experience pumped so much adrenaline in me that I truly don't remember it well. When I try to remember, I can picture both outcomes of me running home and me in their car. I don't remember getting a scolding, so I tend to assume the former occurred, but I'm still not sure. Testing children or not, what a messed up thing to do in your free time. It makes me wonder if this couple actually had the intentions they spoke of. I remember getting home and not saying a word to my parents. The shock was still fresh and I had no time to process what just happened. Was ringing the doorbell afterwards some kind of cover-up for a failed attempt to avoid being reported to the police? Has anyone ever encountered something similar? I just find the whole situation extremely off-putting. You don't really find too many kids walking around alone in baseball uniforms and then coming up with that stuff on the fly. Gives me the impression that it was not that lady's first time trying to coax a kid into her car. I'm an American currently living in Japan for a few months while my husband works here. I was in a shoe store at a mall by myself, and this guy came up to me and asked how I was doing. By the tone, I could tell his intentions were gross, so I ignored him and was going to pretend I didn't speak English. He persisted and kept asking and asked what my name was. 
I ended up telling him I was fine and told him my name, which I regret. Just first name, though. He didn't tell me his. He asked if I was alone. Ugh. I knew it was probably bad news when he asked me that. I said no, I'm with my husband. He looked around and said, I don't see anyone. Are you lying to me? Then I said, no, he's around. Genuinely scared at this point, but I didn't want to make it obvious. I walked to the other side of the store and pretended to look at shoes. I saw him still on the other side of the store, staring at me. Wasn't even trying to make it subtle. Just standing with his hands in his pockets, looking dead at me. Then, I noticed when I would move, he would move, and never stopped looking at me. So, I stood near a group of girls in the store and looked back, and he had turned around and I booked it out of the store. I was on the fifth floor and ran down the escalator to the third and stopped myself thinking maybe I should act less panicked. Maybe I should act like I'm not bothered. Then, after a little while, I saw him on the same floor looking right at me and walking right at me again. That's when I went into flight mode and got the hell out of the mall doing full 360s to make sure he wasn't around. Didn't see him again. I know when you're being followed, you're not supposed to go straight home, so I went to another mall and stayed there for about an hour, the whole time being super aware of my surroundings and didn't see him after leaving the first mall. I called my dad to let him know, and I described the man to him. Apparently, it's a thing over here that this type of guy that was following me usually tries to kind of recruit girls to bring back to clubs to attract guys, and prostitution ties in with it. Apologies if I sound naive. I am. I don't know anything about this stuff. I'm so grateful nothing actually happened, but I am still so freaked out, and by the thought of what could have happened... I'm confident he didn't follow me out of the first mall, but I'm still really scared and I'm not planning on going out by myself anytime soon. I feel like I should clear up this detail for context. It was a Nigerian man that was following me, and I guess it's a thing over here that a lot of Nigerian men try to get girls for some of the things I said above. Again, I apologize for the naivety. I'm totally new to this type of thing. I ended up seeing him a few more times on the street we lived on. There were a lot of bars and clubs on that street. A Nigerian one right next to our building. I don't think he ever recognized me, but we ended up moving apartments because I didn't feel safe there. Luckily, I never saw him again after that. Here's some backstory to this one. This happened seven years ago, when I was just a little more naive and 30 pounds lighter. Still just a short, though. It was a week before Christmas, and I was finishing up my shopping. My mother, aunt, and nana are all big lottery people, 
so I tend to get them scratch tickets and season tickets as gifts. I don't gamble, really, so it's my one time buying them in a year. I always go to the same place down the street for me, and I wouldn't say I live anywhere dangerous. Not gated community level, but like a solid, children can walk around alone in the dusk out of ten. Now, I had an old sob that was the classic no-one-can-drive-her-but-me level kind of finicky. Sometimes she just wouldn't start unless you held the brake and shifted through the gears, went to park, pushed really hard, and turned the key. It took forever to figure out that special secret handshake out. The roof needed to be manually put back up, like it fell on your head. If you put it down, not a design feature, and just a lot of wonky stuff. My brother, who was a lunatic with toxic rage issues but different story, had broken the handle on my passenger side door right before this after picking him up from scaring children at the hospital, so you couldn't open the door at all anymore. To get to the passenger side, you were either dukes of hazarding it or going through my side. So it's Christmassy. A bit of snow and sludge, but pretty normal day. I go to the gas station to get the tickets, cash only, so enough money to make my purchases in hand. There are a few people behind me in line, and a few playing Kino in this sitting area. There is this one wiry guy behind me to the side in line, but I didn't notice much other than he was a little closer than I would personally have liked. I make my purchases, several $20 scratch tickets. They don't want anything else, bad odds apparently. A couple year long season tickets, adding up to just over $400. Ouch. I pay the cashier and head out to my janky little sob, sit down, close my door, don't lock it, and begin to count and organize my change and everything. Not even 35 seconds later, the wiry man comes out and walks by my car. As he does, he stalls just for a second and tries my passenger side handle. It doesn't work and just makes a clunk as the handle is sort of free-moving and doesn't connect to any mechanic stuff at this point. My heart dropped and stomach got sour. My body knew to panic, but my head hadn't caught up. He immediately keeps going, walked out of the parking lot and down the sidewalk. Until I thought about it later and told some people, I didn't even consider the man was probably going to try and rob me, or worse. I now very religiously follow the 45-second rule, and I am a lot more vigilant Christmas shopping. Oh yeah, quick update. No one even won on those lottery tickets I risked my life for. I'm sorry if my story is long in length, but... This happens way too often to people who are followed home by strangers, and I wanted to just vent about it. I, a 26-year-old female, recently moved from the U.S. to the Balkans for a summer legal internship. 
After a few days of getting settled in my home for the summer, I decided to sign up for a gym nearby my apartment to serve as a self-care ritual and blow off steam after tough work days. Coming home from my first workout at the new gym, endorphins on 100, I noticed at a crosswalk that a man across from this busy street where I was stopped was staring right at me. Now, this is not super uncommon as I have found in my new home, and I have gotten used to dealing with occasional male starers, but they are usually very brief. This guy, however, was not looking away. I stared back for a full beat, so I know he knows I saw him, hoping that would be the end of it, and then turned my head away to continue down the street trying to avoid a creepy feeling that this wasn't the end of the interaction. From what I could tell, he didn't cross the lengthy street to meet me and probably just continued down from his side. Next thing I know, about two minutes later, I'm at a crosswalk about to cross when I see him in my peripheral next to me at the stop. How he crossed the street and sped up to meet me so quickly is either a reflection of his cunning and athletic prowess or my general lack of observational skills. Standing next to me now, he is still staring at me, but I try not to tip him off to me noticing this. I take off as fast as I can when it's safe to cross the crosswalk, and naturally, he matches my pace a step or so behind me, still staring. Here I find myself in a familiar situation that I imagine many who have been followed also find themselves in. It is a critical juncture, if you will, where you ask, is this someone following me or a silly misunderstanding? I begin to ask myself, am I overreacting? I have been followed many a time before, sadly, and so I have found that the best way to handle it is to try to cut the baby in half, so to speak. I give them the benefit of the doubt to prove to me they aren't doing what I fear they are doing, while also trying to avoid any situation that could escalate the danger or cue him off to where I am going. Trust, but verify. So I decide to zip quickly towards another street, not my own. We were like one block from my apartment by the time. I noticed him at the crosswalk with me. In hopes that he would prove me wrong and not continue to follow me. This was a busy intersection, and there was about six different streets to follow from the crosswalk. He follows me down this random street to choice, where there is truly only residential buildings, no stores or restaurants he could be headed toward to explain him choosing this street unless he lived nearby. I do something I have done before, when followed, to test the other person. I slow down and speed up my pace randomly to see if they match mine, or like a normal person heading somewhere, try to walk by me as there was plenty of room to do so on this street. I felt his presence, keeping pace, was also subtly getting closer and closer to me. The sun is setting at this point, and we are walking towards a part of town I don't know as well. 
the spirit moves and I decide to make a break for it. I slow down as slow as I have gone throughout this whole pursuit, checking my peripheral and jettison myself across the street until I get to the other side. I look back once I am there to see that he is now looking across the street and moving toward it to follow me more, but this time I gave him the meanest glare I can muster and reach for my bag as if to suggest that I'm reaching for pepper spray or something. Hadn't bought some yet in reality because I had just moved to town a few days before. He noticed the gestures, makes eye contact, stops and then literally turns his head away to fiend looking at the numbers on the street like he was lost or looking for a specific spot. As if he hadn't been speeding up and slowing down with me for the past 10 minutes, not looking anywhere but at my backside. Acting 0 out of 10 for capturing the innocence of someone definitely not creepily following a woman half his age back from the gym for 20 plus minutes. He continues to pretend to look around, glance back at me, look around some more, glance back at me, and when he looks away for the third time, I decide now is the time to truly make a break for it. I begin booking it down the opposite street while occasionally peering back to see if he kept following. I take a bunch of well-lit, busy streets, employing random unnecessary turns, as I have when I have been followed before. Eventually, once I check out the whole street and feel confident I have lost him, I finally calculate my way back home. The next day, I ask a friend from work who is local to take me to get some pepper spray. I bought a mini version, the smallest size, that can easily fit in a purse. The pepper spray's brand name for a bottle of this size is literally called Madam which is emblazoned across the side of the bottle in bright pink lettering. When my boyfriend and I moved into our house, we didn't yet have a washer and dryer installed, so we'd take our clothes to a laundromat the next town over. It was a few minutes out of the way, but it was a place my boyfriend had frequented before I moved to join him in the area. The place was clean and decently maintained, and we felt good supporting a small family business. The people that run the laundromat were two adults and their son. I believe the son was in his early 20s, and he was there every time we went. I got the impression he didn't have much of a life outside of work, but... He was always friendly, talking to patrons, mostly about sports and the like. One thing about the son, however, is he could be a little too hands-on helpful if you know what I mean. For example, the second your dryer load was done, he'd come flying over to alert you, even if you were standing right next to the machine. He'd stand there and wait for you to unload and then immediately start wiping down the inside. I assume this was probably a routine his mom had ingrained into him to make sure the dryers were always clean and dry, but it could make things feel a bit awkward and rushed. At first, my boyfriend and I would go together and do our own separate loads. 
but since I wasn't working at the same time, I figured I could do both of ours on my own during the work week. The first trip I took by myself went fine. It was a less busy day, and while I'm not much of a talker, I'm sure the owner's son and I exchanged a few words during that time. At one point, i just unloaded the dryer and was busy folding clothes when he walked over to return an article of clothing I'd left behind. I appreciated the gesture, but I found it a little odd that he didn't just hand me my piece of clothing, rather. He was swinging it around the tip of his finger and grinning. I shrugged it off as him being bored. His act of customer service did prompt me to write a short online review. I noticed other people had made complaints about the mother being rude or pushy. One even made a snide remark about a Chinaman. Pretty sure the family was Korean. They'd always seemed okay to me, and I figured I'd add some positivity. The guy had been on his own that day, and still wanting to be supportive of a small-town business, I noted the quality of service with a few kind words. I later wondered if doing so had been a mistake. Exactly a week later, I went back to do our weekly laundry load. When I pulled up, I noticed there were no other cars in the parking lot. As I was backing my car into a space, I saw the son standing in the doorway. He was grinning and watching me pull in. He was definitely extra friendly on this day and there was a different vibe to his typical extroversion. It was the middle of the day, and the laundromat was close to a busy gas station, so it wasn't like I was completely isolated and alone. But something felt very off about being alone with him. I sat at a table by the window and did my best to keep myself occupied. When I got up to grab my clothes from the washer... He smiled from where he was sitting and asked, How does it feel being the only ones in here today? I was already unnerved being alone as it was. I just smiled and went, (laughs) Yeah, and continued unloading clothes. He then started trying to make conversation. I was thinking about going to the winter park tomorrow. Wednesdays are my only day off. He mentioned that he can never find anyone to go with and ask if I'd like going to that water park. I said that I hadn't been yet. He basically repeated what he'd said before, including the part where he can never find anyone to go with. At this point, as creepy as it was starting to feel, I was also amused because I knew he'd seen me in there with my boyfriend many times and I was clearly doing laundry for two. That and I was well over a decade older than this kid. I still figured he was just making bored small talk, so I nodded and continued with what I was doing. But then he asked, When you go swimming, do you wear a one-piece or a two-piece swimsuit? Uh, excuse me? Oh, I... I haven't gone swimming in years, I said, trying to evade the question. He asked the question again, like he hadn't asked it already. Well, when you do go swimming, do you like to wear a one-piece or two-piece swimsuit? 
Again, I tried to evade the question, saying I hadn't gone swimming in years. But he kept repeating the question, trying to get me to answer. He would just not let up. I am blessed in certain areas, and while I'm not running around like Kelly Bundy most of the time, I do dress in a manner that, while tame in most places I've lived, is considered less modest than the average woman where I live. But even at that, I am not Stifler's mom. I don't know what kind of MILF fantasy this dude had cooked up since we'd last met, but he seemed to think his pervy line of questioning was going to lead to something. I don't remember how this conversation even ended, but I did my best to avoid him while I waited for my laundry to dry. Unfortunately, this included having him alert me when my dryer was done. The dryer's didn't always do a thorough job the first time, so while I was adding extra quarters, the guy opened the machine, reached in and started pushing my laundry, which was my underwear in this case, to the middle of the machine. I was never coming back to this place. When I went home, I told my boyfriend about the incident, and he was disgusted by the guy's line of questioning. A week later, we had a new washer and dryer set installed. This happened a few years back, and it was so weird, and I tell everyone about it when talking about weird encounters. I worked at Woodfield Mall in a department store. I usually got out at 9 p.m., but this day, I had ended up there closer to 10 p.m. As I was balancing out my register, I had this intense feeling of dread. Like my stomach dropped and I just had a terrible feeling about leaving the building. If you don't know, Woodfield Mall is one of the biggest malls in America, and it is very busy all the time. I made my way to the employee break room, where the stairwell that led out to the second level parking lot was. That same feeling of dread came over me again. I decided to call my friend and keep him on the phone until I made it to my car. When he answered, I literally said, I know I'm being stupid, but I'm just nervous to walk to my car alone. As I opened the door, all I see is the giant parking lot, nearly empty. My car, an extra-large SUV, and about four spots away from my car are two other cars, surrounded by a group of about ten very seedy-looking people. I immediately tell my friend what I see, and he was like, just keep talking to me and walk as fast as you can. That got my heart racing because I had to walk right past them to get to my car. I hurriedly walked by and jumped in my car. I let my friend know I was good and panicked for nothing. We disconnected. And then, I hear a tap, tap, tap on my window. My heart sank as I turned to look at who was tapping on my window. Of course, it was one of the creeps. I rolled my window down about one-fourth of the way. 
I'm in a large SUV and he was somewhat short so he couldn't reach in through the window. He asks if I have a lighter. He must have seen me light up a cigarette the second I got into my car. I tell him my lighter is on its last leg and might not light, but I hand it to him. He begins trying to spark it, while stopping to ask me all sorts of weird questions. He kept asking me if I wanted to go for a walk. Around an empty, mall parking lot? No thanks. I declined multiple times. At that point, I'm just feeling annoyed. Until I see him pull out his own lighter and light his cigarette. Now my head was spinning. Maybe he just used the lighter excuse to talk to me, but maybe it was something worse. Some things became a little blurry conversation-wise because my fear took over. But I remember seeing his friends gathering in front of my car, which made me extremely nervous. I tell the guy to watch out because I was going to flick my cigarette out the window. So he backs up, and I flick it towards his friends, hoping they might scatter. One guy got mad and started getting loud, so I just apologized and said it was an accident. He walked off with a pissy attitude and his friends followed. Thank you, God. I tell the guy by my window that I have to go, as my gaslight goes on and makes a ping sound. This guy hears it and hops up right next to my window and says, Looks like you're going to run out of gas, Miss Lady. Hope you don't break down on the side of the road. Followed by a small mischievous smile and then says, Maybe I'll see you around. At that point, I decided I didn't care if I ran his feet over. I just floored it out of there and could hear them all laughing. I don't know what the hell that was about, but it was absolutely terrifying. And I spent the entire time looking over my shoulder at the gas station and on my drive home. Stay aware, friends, and always trust your gut. After my second year in college, I booked an Airbnb for a close friend and I that I had been eyeing for a while. It was an off-grid yurt, Not a typical stay for me. The yurt was situated on a dirt road, ten minutes from the main road. To get there, it was less of an address, but more of a turn right at the two tires stacked, continue for a mile, go north at the fork, etc. The first night was great. The next day, we explored around town, then returned to our yurt to hang out. I didn't see any neighbors, only homes in the far distance. So, given the heat, I felt comfortable wandering topless around our yurt. When night came, I slept naked. We heard, what we assumed to be, a distant party early in the night. Loud music was traveling from far away. Sometime along the night, the music stopped and I fell asleep. A while later... My friend, still awake, heard two men's voices speaking to each other. Their voices got closer and closer until one started shushing the other and they started talking in whispers. Suddenly, 
They stopped talking and walked directly up to our yurt, shining a flashlight at the walls. All our belongings were inside, but my car and our shoes, very obviously two women's, were directly outside the yurt. They then turned the flashlight off. Up until this point, I had been asleep, but awake to what, in my mind, sounded like a stampeding herd of animals growing closer. I remember being in a half-dream, half-wake state, where I genuinely thought there was a galloping animal charging our yurt. What my friend later shared with me was that she was pinching me as hard as she could, and that's how I finally woke up. I never felt the pinch. I remember gasping as I opened my eyes for some reason, as I was laying on my back in bed. My friend was laying on her side facing me, and she immediately brought her finger to her mouth to shush me. I was now fully awake, but frozen because I had no idea what was going on. We couldn't talk because the desert air carried every sound, every creak of the bed, and I was trying hard to breathe calmly. Since I was on my back, it was difficult to face her without making a sound, so I had my head slightly turned to see what she was whispering. Every minute, the wind would pick up and all we could hear was the breeze. The next minute, complete silence, except for their footprints in the dirt, slowly walking around us. At one point, they stomped loudly all around our yurt, and I realized that must have been what I thought was the stampeding of the animals. It got silent again, and just when we thought they must have left, we heard the faintest sound of footsteps encircling us. I'm a very shy, timid person, but my fight or flight kicked in as wanting to scream as loudly and deeply as I could. What the hell do you think you're doing? And yell and fight and kick. My friend was the opposite and told me we need to be absolutely silent. We were communicating on her notes app with the brightness turned all the way down. When it had been what felt like an eternity, she texted 911. The dispatcher was absolutely useless and wouldn't send someone out because we didn't have an address. We kept texting them that we were on a dirt road and all we had were the directions we sent them and begged and begged to send someone out. We didn't want the men to know we were on a phone because the screen's brightness was still bright against the complete darkness, so we gave up on texting. I hated myself for not wearing pajamas, for not having all of my self-protection tools under my pillow, and instead in my bag on the floor. I remember completely accepting that I may get stabbed. I thought about what it would be like for my family to find out that I'm dead and how sorry I felt to not explain. I remember in the middle of this eternal frozen state, I heard the zipper rattling, and for the first time, my friend and I broke silence and yelled, NOW! As if to cue me leaping to my bag of self-defense items by the door to pull my alarm sound off my taser and yell that 911 was on their way as my friend dialed them on speaker. 
I remember making ourselves as loud as we could. I remember the distant siren approaching closer, and I remember packing my belongings quicker than I have ever done in my entire life. When a police officer arrived, we waited as we packed up our bags in my car. He said we shouldn't be staying so far away from the main road, and we agreed. It was supposed to be just a fun Airbnb. As we were about to pack up our last thing, my friend noticed large footprints in the otherwise perfect sand around our tent. They were inches from the tent, and we hadn't walked up that close because to get that close, you had to step over a circle of rocks, decorating the border of our yurt. We only entered through the front door zipper where the rocks ended. The police didn't believe it wasn't ours, despite the significantly larger footprints. He said he had been patrolling the area with police dogs, and that was what we must have heard. I hate that I second-guessed myself for the rest of the night, thinking we may have had just scared ourselves over nothing. High on adrenaline, we made the drive home nonstop. We slept together at my house. I was shaking for the rest of the night, and we both slept with stuffed animals, which at our age was very out of the norm. In the morning, I walked her out to her car to say goodbye. I froze when I got to my car, because covering every inch were the largest, meatiest handprints in brown dirt. I consider my brother a big guy, and even his hand was smaller than the handprints on my car. I was so angry the police officer didn't see that, but I was also glad I had proof that someone was there that night. I took so many pictures because I never wanted to forget the image of so many handprints as evidence. The most unsettling part was that my friend shared with me there had been many recent unsolved murders in Wonder Valley within the year before. When she got home, she researched to ease her mind what the area was like and found articles of missing people minutes from our site. I literally recognized every road the articles mentioned as the roads leading to our yurt. I realize you may be thinking nothing horrendous happened to us, but I have never felt that deep in my gut, subconscious, complete acceptance that I may end up dead that night. It was a complete gut feeling, and I don't know how else to describe it. It was one of the creepiest moments of my life. This happened when I was 17, and still in my senior year of high school. Now, this is not as creepy as some of the stories in this genre, but I wanted to share my experience. My boyfriend at the time texted me saying he had been hanging out at his friend's house, who lived pretty close to me. He asked if I wanted to hang out with him for a bit, so I agreed. He picked me up around 8, and he drove a couple miles from my house to a mobile home park. He parked in front of a pretty large-sized mobile home. I felt a little uneasy because this mobile home park wasn't in the safest of neighborhoods. The place itself looked a little run down, 
just like the rest of the homes here. We entered through the right side door of the small stairs in the carport. Directly in front of you, when you first walk in, there's a kitchen and dining room. If you look towards the left, there's the living room that's located in the front of the home. If you look towards the right, there were doors to the bedrooms and bathroom. This was probably the biggest mobile home I've ever been in. It was a little messy. There were a sink full of dishes, kitchen table piled up with junk, beer bottles everywhere. The living room had a coffee table full of weed, pipes, bongs, and pill bottles. Just a bit of a backstory. My boyfriend at the time had a bit of a drug problem that later on became worse. Before you judge me, I wasn't aware of the severity at the time. I thought he occasionally partied and had experimented, which is sadly really common in the small town I grew up in. Little did I know, he was doing a lot more than I knew of behind my back. So this problem he had led to me meeting a lot of his friends who also were in the same, let's say, things as him. I was introduced to his friend who was sitting on the living room couch. I don't actually remember his name, but we'll just call him Jake. Jake seemed friendly. He was also about our age. I quickly learned he lived with his aunt and uncle, who I was also introduced to. His aunt wasn't social at all. She was in the kitchen, then left to one of the bedrooms and closed the door. There was something strange about Jake's uncle, though. Something seemed off to me, but he was overly friendly to me, so I brushed it off. He was probably in his mid-fifties, thin, kind of tall, like 5'10"-ish, and had blondish-gray hair that was receding. Jake's uncle started packing a bowl for everyone, and then sprinkled a white substance on top. I sat down on the couch while they all passed the piece around. I declined. Weed was still illegal at this time, and I've never been a social smoker. I remember his uncle asking why I'm not smoking, and I just said that I didn't want to. I really forgot how this part got brought up, but Jake's uncle overheard my boyfriend and I talking about cats. He looked over at me and said, Oh, you like cats? Want to see mine? Being the cat lover that I am, I got excited. Oh, you have a cat? He was like, Yeah. You want to see her? Now, I was just assuming he was going to bring her out, so I said, Yeah, sure. Then he got up to lead me down the hall, motioning me to follow. Come on, this way. I looked at my boyfriend, puzzled, and asked if he wanted to come with me, but he didn't feel like getting up. I really didn't want to come off as being rude if I didn't follow, So I got up and followed him down the hallway to the very last door located at the end of the hallway. He opened the door for me and I walked inside the bedroom. I noticed a shotgun next to the bed leaning against the wall. I got the vibe that this was possibly Jake's uncle's room. Jake seemed too young to own a gun and this room didn't look like his style. It looked like a guest bedroom or a room for someone older. 
I wondered why his aunt went inside the other room. I'm not sure what was going on in their personal life. Maybe they slept in separate beds. It could have definitely been a possibility. Anyways. To the right of the bed was a beautiful white, long-haired cat on her scratching post inside the room. I went over to say hi and went to pet her. Jake's uncle walked in and I heard the door close quietly behind him. Almost as if he wanted it to be discreet that he was closing it. I jumped up and looked over at the door and then at him. He must have noticed how scared I looked because he said, Oh, this is so the cat won't get out. He came and kneeled down next to me and started petting the cat. My gut feeling told me something wasn't right. I felt sick to my stomach. I went back towards the door and he yelled out, No, no, the cat's going to get out. But I did not care. I ignored him. That's when I realized it was actually locked and not just closed. I unlocked it and swung it open. The cat did indeed run out, so he wasn't making that up. Regardless, I just met this man. So why did he lock a 17-year-old girl alone in his room with him? Why couldn't he ask my boyfriend to come with us too? This room was located on the far end, opposite side of the living room, where no one could hear us. I went back to the living room so fast and I asked my boyfriend if he could take me home. Which I would never do considering he wasn't sober, but I was desperate. He wasn't hesitant and asked, uh, Right now? I lied and said my dad wanted me home right now pretending to look at a text on my phone. When we were back in the car, I was so relieved to be out of there. I started telling my boyfriend how Jake's uncle closed us in that room together and I felt really uncomfortable. He told me that I was overthinking the situation and that his uncle was a good person. So I always thought maybe I was overthinking it, but it never changed how uncomfortable I felt about it. Please, always trust your gut feeling regardless of what anyone says about it. I never saw Jake or his uncle again. I never wanted to go back there. Over ten years later, I still get creeped out when I think about it. This is pretty recent, actually today. And the more I think about it, the weirder it gets. So I'll just put it here because I need to tell the story, but I don't want my parents and friends to freak out. I, a 27-year-old female travel to Istanbul on my own to enjoy a couple of days to myself after my finals. When I left the hotel to find something to eat at around 5 p.m., one local greeted me, so I said hi back. He asked if I was on vacation, because I have typical East Asian looks, so clearly not local. And we shared some small talk. Just when I decided to return to my way... He offered to show me around town and invited me to dinner because he wanted me to have the real local experience. Because I read a lot about scammers in Istanbul, I was almost certain he's one of those, so I politely said no. This is when things started to change. He seemed really upset by my decline and said that he just thought I looked nice 
and wanted to make my vacation memorable and good. He sounded super sincere, and he didn't look like a weirdo, maybe in his 40 to 50s and polite. So my feminine ass gave in and agreed to let him walk me around town. He actually told me quite some interesting things about Istanbul, and I actually enjoyed our talk. And because I'm a big-ass introvert, it's really rare. He showed quite some interest in my study and trip, and he showed me pictures of his two teenage sons, and people on the street greeted him like old friends along the way. Also, he kept telling me he thought I'm beautiful, and how honored he was to show me around. I know this sounds super weird already, but keep in mind that I have really low self-esteem and nobody ever calls me beautiful or pretty or anything near that. When walking, he asked me if I've ever tried the Turkish bath. I didn't hear him clearly, so I said no. Then he said that he had known a really good bath place ran by a woman who's the best in town and said that if I was interested, I must give it a try. Yes, I am interested in a Turkish bath, and going with them feels so weird. But he said only locals know that place, and it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I also find it super difficult to refuse other people's offer because of my cultural upbringing, so I said yeah. And then when walking, he told me that place is a couple minutes car drive away and showed me his car parked on the road. Yes, I know what you're thinking, but this is my first time traveling abroad on my own, and I'm eager to prove to my parents that I can do this. So I got into the car, and shotgun because he insisted. But before all of this, I snuck a photo of his car plate and his face and sent them to my parents, and casually told them that I think it's no problem, but they might want to keep an update on my location just in case. In the car, he kept repeating how beautiful I am and asked me if it's okay for him to call me Rose because he thought I'm like a Rose. He asked me whether I had a boyfriend and I told him I'm only interested in girls. Then, he said he could totally understand. Different people had different preferences and told me that I could see him as a woman so that I can feel more at ease. He asked me for my right hand and left a kiss on the back. And after a while, he held my other hand on my lap and said that he's really glad he met me. He said that Turkish bath place only took cash and drove me to an ATM to get some. Before this, he showed me the money on the bath's brochure. It's 185 euro, one and a half hours. I don't know the normal price for such thing, but I know that in no way am I going to spend my parents' money on this. So, at the ATM, I deliberately check out only 300 lira and pretended I didn't understand the exchange rate. And things got more interesting. He told me that places often charge extra for tourists, so I should give the money to him, and then he tells that place that I'm his guest so that I won't be charged extra. When I handed him the 300 lira, he asked me, is that a joke? When he told me it should be 2,500 plus lira, 
I acted surprised and said that I didn't want to go anymore. He got really, and I do mean really, upset and disappointed and kept telling me that he already called his friend to prepare and I was missing out big. He made me feel so bad that when he said I should pay for dinner for him to make up for the cancellation fine and told me I needed to pay him gasoline money. I didn't even question. He then told me he's not angry at me. He's just upset that I missed a perfect opportunity and he kissed my right hand again and insisted on holding my left hand because he wanted to ensure me that he's not mad and still loves me. And yes, he used the word love. He chose a super fancy seafood restaurant and ordered for me because the waiter didn't understand English. That dinner ended up being 4,000 lira, but at the time, I just wanted to get it over with. After I made it clear that I would not spend the night with him at a local bar, he offered to drive me back to my hotel to make sure I was safe, but I insisted on him dropping me off near the road because to hell am I going to let him know my hotel address. Before I left, he asked me whether I could give him a kiss. I already refused him once before dinner. And this time, I made myself lean over and slightly touched his cheek. He turned his head at the very last second to my direction, and I touched his stubbles near his mouth. I immediately left and closed the door and walked away, and I aggressively rubbed my mouth. Is he a scammer to trick me into visiting commercial places, or is he just an overpassionate hospital local citizen? Or is he a sexual harasser? I thought, as an active feminist, I'm already familiar with all kinds of sexual harassment. But at the end, I found myself at a loss and confused. I'm not sure whether this counts as creepy encounters, but that's my creepy story. I'm not sure if this counts as creepy, but it was certainly somewhat alarming. My first date with my partner was when we were both 19, and we had met at university. We pretty much became best friends immediately, and had been close friends for about five months before we went on a date. We were both broke. Student life, huh? So it wasn't anything fancy, but instead something meaningful he wanted to share with me. He was a golf fan and had previously, as friends, shared a book he wrote with his father about rabbits living on a golf course. He asked me one evening if I'd like to walk with him because he wanted to show me something he thought I'd like. He took me to a gorgeous golf course and it had a beautiful fountain in the middle that was all lit up and was pretty magical. We had a lovely late-night walk around on a crisp winter evening. Anyway, on the way home, there is a car cruising very slowly from behind us. It was quite wooded, and traffic at this time seemed odd. The car finally got alongside of us, and thank God, it turned out to be a police car. The officer stopped us both, asked why we were out so late and took our details. He then asked us to get in the car 
We asked him if all was okay and he said yes, but for our safety, can we please get into the car? We both got in, and the officer said he would drive us home as it was so late. He then asked us if we had seen anyone while we were walking. We really hadn't seen a single soul. The cop then explained to us that they were looking out for a man with a sawed-off shotgun who had fled after an earlier incident, and they were concerned he was a little unhinged. Anyway, he drove us home, and we were safe. Not sure if it is creepy, but it's certainly scary to think that sometimes people like this are just roaming the streets, and you just never know. Anyway... Great date turned very creepy. I'll never forget it. I went to the dollar store near me, within a block, a couple days ago. I got what I needed and went to stand in the checkout line. There were two men in front of me at the register. One in his 60s, paying for their items and the other built like a brick wall, maybe in his 40s. I glanced in their cart and noticed four gallons of bleach and a myriad of other cleaning supplies. I said something to the effect of, (laughs) damn, who'd you kill? Brick wall turns around, looks me dead in the eyes and says, what? At this point, Anyone with a sense of self-preservation would have shut their damn mouths. Not me, I repeated myself. He gave me this really creepy smirk, didn't respond, and turned back around. They finished checking out and left. I checked out my items. When I exited the store, I saw Brick Wall and his friends staring at the door, then started pointing and seemed to be seriously discussing me. I walked past their truck, and as I did, they started it and left. Needless to say, I didn't go straight home. A few years ago, I worked on a busy but dangerous area of Rio de Janeiro. There are just too many streets where local criminals can ambush pedestrians, mug them, and effectively run into hiding. One day, I worked until 7 p.m., and my fiancé picked me up. The streets were already deserted, so we decided to find a safe spot and call an Uber. We quickly found two men watching the entrance of a store. One of them was a doorman in uniform, while the other one was wearing regular clothes and speaking into a walkie-talkie. So far, just regular Rio stuff. The second guy and I had small talk about how dangerous the area was, after which we all went silent. The Uber was taking some time, so he eventually asked if I was sure it was coming. I checked and confirmed. He decided to explain his curiosity. Well, today will be a specially dangerous day. We want to do something about these low lives. 
As a cop, I find it distressful. I immediately hid the shiver that came down my spine. Vigilante death squads are a big deal in Brazil, and a word to the wise is enough. I took a deep breath and played dumb to be sure. Are you civilian or a military cop? He smirked and answered. <laughs> Today, I'm neither. More or less, after a very long minute, the driver arrived. We said goodbye and left. On the following day, I saw almost no homeless people in the area. I knew why they didn't want to be seen there. Nothing ever appeared on the news. And that, dear listeners, is the end of these true creepy encounters. If you are sleeping, I hope Slumberland is treating you kindly. If you're awake, I hope you've enjoyed this collection. Until next time, I'll read to you soon. Have yourself a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good night.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nyx.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.